So, you're heavily favoured this weekend. You think this will end your embarrassing streak of draws? Lloyd, I've never been embarrassed about having streaks in my draws. You know, it's all part of growing up. I got a question for you. Has a team a like us ever won the whole chimichanga? Not for 40 years. Oh! No, you don't come through here, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I got you. It's like Dukes of Hazards. <laughs> Y'all probably call it the no. Earls of Risk over here. We've got work to do. I think it's time for these young fellas to meet that guy. Oh no, let that's up. Hey, you little turd birds, start touching your toes. And touch each other's toes. What? what? How long was that? Not as long as last time, but nobody was hurt. Okay. People saying there's something wrong with us. Not the way I see it. I believe in communism. Rom communism, that is. If Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan can go through some heartfelt struggles and still end up happy, then so can we. This is our turn to make history, and I believe we're going to do just that. To the family we're born with, and to families who make along the way. To Richmond! Let's go kick their butts. Butts on three. Works for me. One, two, three. Butts! Apple TV Plus hit series Ted Lasso is back in this year's Emmy race with 20 nominations. And returning to behind the screen for today's episode are its editors, AJ Cataline and Melissa McCoy. Melissa is nominated for the episode Rainbow and AJ for No Weddings and a Funeral. They were both nominated for an Emmy in 2021 as well, with AJ collecting the award for the season one finale. Additionally, they were both nominated for American Cinema Editor's Eddie Awards in 2021 and 22. In 2021, Melissa won the trophy for the Make Rebecca Great Again episode. Today, we'll talk about their work on Ted Lasso season two and get a hint at what's to come in season three. I'm Carolyn Jardine. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. So AJ and Melissa, welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. And congratulations to both of you on your Emmy nominations. Thank, Thank you, you, Carolyn. Yeah, thanks for here. having us. Yeah. <laughs> so season two of Ted Lasso was so much fun to watch. How did it feel to get the band back together, so to speak? It was amazing. It's been a it's been a ride. Like we you know, we left season one being like, who knows what's gonna happen? Maybe we'll see each other, maybe we won't, but we enjoyed working on the show and then when it hit, how it hit, and then coming back and just feeling like it's it's Ted Lasso again, but like bigger and better and just more and and creatively it felt bigger and it just felt like the fan, yeah, like the band was back together and we were ready to roll and we were so excited. I know you worked closely with Jason, the both of you. Um, what was it like this season? Was it kind of, you know, picking up where you left off or did, did you, uh, has it evolved? It's still evolving. We haven't totally worked with Jason that much. Yeah, we're staying in touch, but they're still, they're, they're still shooting the season three. Um, but, you know, as far as working with, with Melissa and our team in post, like, you know, just like you, we see the cast gel on the screen. When we're editing them, we see them really reading each other's energy and 
and pacing each other out, knowing what, how to do the pace of the dialogue and the, and the reactions. It's almost like the same with our post crew. Um, you know, picking up with, with Mel, we just kind of build where we left off and with our amazing assistant editors uh, uh, and our sound team and our music editor, we sort of, yeah, we all are really uh, uh, clicking. So it's great to get the band back together and post. Yeah. In season two, so many of the characters go through big transformations. Um, when you start editing the season, do you have the whole script for the season when you're beginning? No. Uh, no. Nope. No. And that's they, they, always they, been the case. Yeah. It, we get little drips and dribbles. Uh, Jason, like, you know, season one had told me what was going to happen with Nate season two. And I almost couldn't believe it because I spent the whole season falling in love with Nate. And when he told me season one, I said, no, you know, and he just did a double eyebrow raise and, you know, he just loves that. Like, he's like, yeah, we're going to push, push it, you know? And um, I remember when everything was going down with Nate, uh, we were still working on this. Oh God, how I, or maybe it was this season we're talking with Jason and he was like, I checked in with Nick and he was like, just to make sure he was okay because so many people were like oh, yeah. Yeah, angry, angry at him. But I think because he was so amazing. Like, yeah. But he, like that just goes to show you, I, he was so amazing to cut his performance in the editing room was, was heartbreaking and just uh, one of the best things I've ever seen for me of like just the little nuances that he was doing. I just, I hope I, you know, he got the Emmy nomination. I'm so happy about that, but I was like, I, I hope people remember to love him, even though they hate him because you know, he's making you feel that so strongly because he's doing such a good job. <laughs> I was really uh, impressed when Jason Sudeikis said that season two was going to be the empire strikes back of, of Ted Lasso. And, you know, I know Jason's a big star Wars fan and, uh, I kind of knew immediately what that meant because of a little tidbit he gave me, um, you know, when we're editing, he sometimes lets us in on how the, the, where the show's going and the story arc. And, you know, he told me back in season one, uh, that, you know, Ted's, uh, we learn, you know, that not only Ted's dad died when he was younger, he tells us in the dark scene in one, but that Ted's uh, dad uh, committed suicide. And he let me in on that. I'm like, wow, how's that going to reveal? So as I saw the scripts coming forward with um, with season two, uh, I could see little hints he was dropping about the importance of fathers and dads. And, uh, you know, and, and we talked about Sam's dad and we have to see Jamie's dad. And then that crazy scene in, in episode eight where Jamie gets in the fight with his dad. And then that really builds up to episode 10, which um, I'm honored to be nominated uh, for along with my additional editor, Alex Zabo. Um, we, uh, I saw that that scene where he just breaks down to, to Dr. Sharon and admits how his dad died. And it's very dramatic. And we do that incredible intercut with, with Rebecca talking about what she went through with her father, who's died now in the episode. So it was just really great to see, you know, how they drop these little things in. And then when, you know, editing that, that intercut between Ted and Rebecca was just a, uh, a beautiful moment. To, well, um, let's just get the audience up to speed. Um, we're, um, I'm sure many of you can already know we're talking about the episode titled No Weddings and a Funeral. And it's um, the episode that surrounds um, the death of Rebecca's father. And Ted is going through his issues and seeks help from Dr. Sharon. And then there's actually a lot of storylines going on that you had to balance. But since you brought up the, the parallel of um, Rebecca and Ted's journey at that point, would you like to talk about cutting that sequence? 
Sure. That was, uh, you know, the script did call for uh, an intercut uh, specifically on the, the year of the date that this both happened to Ted and Rebecca. It said that we would go from mentioning 1991 on Rebecca's side to 1991 on Ted's side. But that was really the only one. And the rest of the writers kind of wrote these amazing lines and blocks. And the script said, you know, intercut as we go. So that became very interesting to um, working with the um, the director, MJ uh, Delaney, also nominated. Uh, we we worked to try to have, you know, Rebecca and Ted finish each other's sentences because they're just so kind of cosmically connected, you know, you know those two and they're 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 kind of healing similar pain. So yeah, it came about matching um, coverage, you know, being in a close on Ted and a, and a, and a close uh, on Rebecca. So it was very kind of seamless. And it just felt like one conversation, you know, you know, releasing all this, this trauma and angst. And um, though there was one really cool wide shot that we ended with uh, just as a punctuation at the end, um, seeing Rebecca and her mother there in the wide in the church. And then she builds the relationship with her mom. Um, so, yeah, it was just a really powerful sequence. And, of course, her singing, Never Gonna Give You Up in the Church. It was uh, so fun to check in with all those characters. Well, as you say, all the many storylines going on in that episode. Right. Well, we also have the dynamic with Sam and Rebecca at that yes. point. Um, tell us about weaving that one in. Well, that that was fun. It starts on that scene with them in, in bed together, which is the first. You know, we left them kissing in episode eight and the door slams. And that was a great cliffhanger and then we had the amazing episode nine beards night out which mel did which is kind of like a, a total sidetrack and <laughs> the, the audience must have been like but what about sam and rebecca but then we pick it up in in 10 um yeah jason um shows that song i'm gonna sex you up to put at this top and to um you know to give it some some comedy and and then it just becomes about you know sam and rebecca can't let on that they're having a relationship so they're hiding in closets and it was uh important when we edited to make sure there's a lot of looks from Sam and looks from Rebecca where they want to, he wants to embrace her on the day of her dad's death, but he can't. So it becomes about finding the right looks back and forth between them and then building that and editing, which they gave it to us. The cast gave it to us. It was about making those, those choices. And you also have that great scene in the church um, right before the memorial when, um, when Rebecca finally uh, admits it to her friends. Yeah, that's yes, yes. The who you shagging scene uh, with sass, sassy character. And yeah, that's just so funny the way they're just going around. And it was actually hard to edit that because they were just screaming all over the place. And we had to figure out how to balance those takes and dissolve between them to get those screams sound a, a bit fluid. With a scene like that, did they um, did they improv uh, or do they do a lot of takes? Like, what, what do you have to work with? Uh, no, no, that was all very well written. Um, not too much improv in there. They just kind of went over the top with their laughter and we got it from, you know, the best coverage we can. Which, you know, they, they were rushing their own location that day, so they couldn't, we didn't have a ton of takes, but they, they really nailed it. And, uh, and it's just about finding the, that that's actually where the show does feel like improv because just finding the best laughter is just the best faces that they're, they're giving us. And, uh, it, it, that became like a little mini montage uh, in itself, hysterical. What's your favorite scene in that episode? Oh, definitely um, the the church scene when um, when Ted uh, when Rebecca gets up to say I don't know what to say and she's you know hanging there and you know Jason wanted me to take my time and intercut a bunch of shots of the church and then and then Ted walks in and the whole church like turns around and looks at him. It's just a really breaks the comedy with uh, you know like some comic relief there and uh, finally the the panic attack scene in that episode we didn't have anything 
you know, to cut to, you know, when we started the panic attack, panic attacks in season one, and then in episode six, we had a bunch of stuff we could cut to to make it visually frenetic as well as the audio of Ted panicking. And this, he's just in the room by himself. It's a wonder. So I said to Jason, maybe we could try some sort of flashbacks that you never had in Ted Lasso. Like, what is he thinking about as he's panicking? So we showed a shot of the dartboard and him with Henry and the close-up of the army man. And when I showed Jason the possibility to do just like quick flash intercuts, which we don't do on the show, it felt like in that moment it changed the show editorially. And he was incredibly excited. He's like, oh, wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And then it became very detailed with him about do we, you know, flash cut for eight frames or 12 frames. And he's very specific about the timing. Those are fun put together. Now, Melissa, you are nominated for the episode titled Rainbow. And this is the one where we really see Roy's transformation, where he's trying to figure out what to do uh, as a a retired player. And he eventually realizes that he wants to coach. It was uh, set up like a rom-com, but uh, in that last sequence where he's, um, he's doing the broadcast and he realizes he wants to coach and he just runs out and runs to the stadium to uh, to join Ted and the others, uh, tell us about cutting that sequence. It's so much fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, that was um, so. Yeah, when I read the script, I was like, "This is my Nora Ephron movie that I've always wanted to." Cut. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm such a big romantic comedy fan. Like, I, once a year, I watch When Harry Met Sally, and I watch uh, Sleepless in Seattle, and you know, all those types of movies. Um, so, actually, when I was cutting that last sequence, something I I picked up. Uh, uh, that I really love that Martin Scorsese and uh, Thelma do is they have movies on in the background. And so when he's running out at first, yeah, I was like, you know what? I need to have one Harry Met Sally on in the background. And I just went to that scene where he starts running for her. Um, and uh, I just was like, you know, I just want to turn around and look at it every once in, once in a while and just, you know, have osmosis come over me because that's something Jason and I really bonded about when working on the episode. He's like, I just love that this is a romantic comedy, but there's not, a male female love, you know, it's like Roy's love of the game. And um, that's something I talked about with the director as well, because she's like, I'm not a, she didn't, she was like, I don't feel like I'm a sports director. And I was like, but this is such a sport, like it, it's what transcends sports, you know, is like love of the game. And it's like, love is such a universal thing. So I was just like, you made a great sports uh, movie, but it's really a love letter. So anyways, yeah, I had that on in the background when I was cutting it. And it was just all about, uh, yeah, getting Roy there in the most satisfying way. And that's starting out that scene. Once he sees what he's done for Isaac on the scene, when they're like, let's look at your old team warming up. And Isaac's, you know, we go down on the field and Isaac's just joyful. And we come back and it's just all on Roy. And I was like, you know what? He's just so good in that performance. So I just never wanted to leave, leave. And everybody's kind of talking to him. And I'm like... But in his head, he's not in this room. So I don't want to see anybody else in the room. I don't want to see Jeff Stelling or, you know, any of the commentators because it's all about Roy. Roy's left. And so we're going to stay with him to the very end. And um, yeah, I just loved all the all the little bits that they did with his knee going out. But yeah, we had to try to find creative ways to make the music stop because that Rolling Stones song, Rainbow, is three minutes long, I think three or four minutes long, but the whole sequence is six minutes. So, um, so basically I knew where I wanted it to start. And then 
when he has his little conversations, like the taxi cab driver or, uh, you know, when he's in the uh, pedicab and when he's talking to the guy at the, um, the security guards, all those things, I, I didn't want the lyrics in there. So there's no instrumental because a lot of times with those older songs, there's no instrumental music. So, so um, our brilliant music editor, Richard Brown, like I would just kind of like, you know, do a messy edit where I tried to just pull out the, the piano and the instrumental parts under those dialogues. And he somehow weaved it together and then made the lyrics land where they needed to land. Like when we see Higgins wife come out, um, it says you see her all in blue and she's wearing blue. And then we go to the field and Keely's all in gold. And he, he, uh, he recognized that one. He's like, I had the lyric. Now you see her all in gold land on Keely. And I was like, I didn't even put that one together. Cause I was so focused on the blue with Higgins wife. So, so that was the impetus for the whole song. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a wild ride. And then every time you make a change, it's like, can you please still have the song hit here, 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 and here? And I just loved it. Was a happy coincidence when I laid that song in that the music got all weird when it landed on Nate, you know. And and that was just I was like, oh, that that hit pretty great, you know. I don't think that was in scripted at all. It was just one of those happy accidents where it happened. And then every time I made a change, I was like, but that still has to fall on Nate because that's going to, because we knew kind of where Nate was headed. And this was the beginning of that. Like this was that first, uh, you know, slight that he felt, I mean, maybe not first, but the bit, a big one. I yeah. Think you're kind of dropping those throughout. Right. Yeah. And so that was like a big one where, where, when the, the music starts to go a little bit weird and there's those, uh, strings that come in and it hits right on Nate looking at Ted, like you're going to let him come back. And what is that going to do for me? So uh, a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot going on in there, but such a, such a fun thing to cut. <laughs> yeah. And then thing. you also threw in all these fun obstacles, like when he finally gets to the stadium and the security won't let him in without a ticket, things like that. Um, I mean, yeah. how, how, how scripted was that whole sequence or did you have more that you didn't use? Yeah. I mean, that was scripted, but yeah, I did. Th- that was a case where I did have a lot of extras that were unexpected that weren't scripted. Like, um, the uh you know we we set up in the in episode 201 that he always keeps a ticket for Roy under like a different country artist and he was like Shania Twain and he named some and so then when he arrives at the ticket booth he's like I believe you're holding a ticket for Reba McIntyre but he went through a whole slew of those like I uh, Dixie Chicks blah 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 and I don't know just Reba McIntyre to me was was hilarious and uh, and I, maybe it was the way he said it. Oh, anyways, yeah, we we rolled through all of them. I was like, that's the winner. And then I saw Reba McIntyre like tweeted out afterwards <laughs> <laughs> about like, yeah, like wanting to have a ticket to the AFC Richmond game. So I had like lots of alts there. And there was a little boy there where he looks up and is like, dad, it's Roy Kent. Like that was all extra. So yeah, it was a lot of like fitting in a lot of the littles that they did and the knee, the knee popping. Um that he did like I think that was extra that they did on the day and then that was another place where I was like oh I can break the music so when his knee he's running and his knee pops the music stops and I can kind of reset the song again so it was about finding little places like that so I could keep the song fresh and not um redundant or you know played out it was like the unexpected is going to happen along with this song so like don't get you know don't feel complacent because you don't know what's going to come with it is what I loved about it. 
Now, I have to ask, before that scene, I also loved every sequence of Roy as a commentator. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you use all of them? Were there were there others that never made the final cuts? Yeah, we used all of it. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, nothing, nothing got cut because, um, I mean, Roy is gold, I feel like. And especially when you get grumpy Roy like that, for sure. Yeah, that was all, all stayed, all scripted. Yeah. Brett is great with uh, improvs in general. He'll give you little all lines and stuff. Which, you know, yeah. We, he said, yeah. yes, sir, some things get left that are, that are good and we don't have time for. And and I asked AJ this question, so let me ask you the same question. What was your favorite scene in that up in your episode? Uh, it's hard. I mean, that end sequence definitely is one of my, you know, top things I've ever got to do on Ted Lasso. But I, you know what? was really satisfying for me was Nate in the mirror um, where it's like the first time he spits at the mirror and, uh, and he's, he's having that issue with the table and we set it up in the beginning. And there was just those, just like so much of that, you know, awkwardness for him. And then when he finally feels his power and, and talking about it with Jason after he said like, this is kind of the best Nate, like this is the best Nate is in this moment, right? He's assertive. He's not mean, but like, you know, he's, he's owning his power in, in a good way where he's like, I want to, you know, I've asked for the window seat. I would like the window seat it is open sort of thing. And from there on, you know, he kind of, it, it morphs into something darker. Um, so yeah, just, it just, you going in there and having that moment with him, um, you know, I really loved his performance in there and then and then following him out and, and the music we chose where you do feel like, you know, this is a powerful moment for him, knowing where he went. Like that was a great like pinnacle for him. So I really enjoyed that scene of, of crafting that performance. Throughout the season, the two of you do such a great job of just, you know, building those arcs for all the characters. Um, how do you two work together? Do you discuss each episode and what you're putting where? And Oh, yes. I, I love to, to give all my uh, episodes to Mel and say, what what am I not seeing? What am I missing? Mm-hmm. And Mel's great with that. And yeah, we try to watch each other's things and give each other ideas and, and notes. But uh, I think what helps is that uh, we don't have such a rushed schedule. Although we did kind of last year, we were... We were, it was told that we had to air around the time of the Olympics in the middle of the summer. So we were really rushing through the episodes. And at some point we, we ran out of, you know, runway and had to deliver. But um, season one, we had all our episodes kind of open. And we, and as of now, we do on season three. So we're absolutely talking about like, do you have this moment in yours? And, um, oh, I cut something like this way, you know, take a look. Because I, I was building this reaction. So maybe you can call it back in your episode. There's a lot of that collaboration, of course, and in music. Just the other day, Mel was like, "Oh, I was going to use that song, but you know, you're right. I work better for you, so you have it." <laughs> yeah, we 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 do that a lot. Shots too, we would do because you know if they would shoot uh, players coming into AFC Richmond. I remember that mm-hmm. last year. That's something that happened. Yeah, we, like, had a, we had a, a bit of a tussle over this one shot. We both wanted, and, and it worked better for Mel. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh it's like fans elaborate? arriving. Well it was it was it's so small, but it's like fans arriving at the game and we both had home games and it was because of the block shoot, so it was it was the same block. So so there was a little bit of overlap of just like general fans coming and then and then for it 
for me, it was like the montage of set up like couples and I had it set to L is for the way you look tonight, <laughs> you know, like my romantic comedy music. And it was a couple coming in, an older couple and sitting down. And it was uh, amongst, uh, they actually went back and shot more of those. So you have different types of couples, but like, that was the only one I had at the time. And then you had it too, but yeah. we, I was like, you had it in first. And then I was like, but it works so much better. So it, yeah. Well, like, it wasn't as intentional. Like you just described yeah. why it's more intentional and yours for mine episode is more random, but that I think is the key, key to our collaboration. And it's great. We try to talk about things to be like, well, you know, defend this moment, you know, editorially, why are we going wide or why are we close? You know, and, and Mel says a great thing that sticks in my mind. It's like, you know, as long as we discuss it between us, then when Jason comes and works with us and has those questions, we can do what well, we, we, we thought of this, you know, if something's controversial or we're doing something that might be a little, you know, uh, daring, we, we, as long as we discuss it, it can come up with, well, you know, you could do it this option or that option, but we, we've talked about it. So I think that's really important. Yeah, because that's two something editorial teams. Yes. Jason will want to know why and and the why and the how, which is great. I mean, you really should. I mean, it's it's really defend your art. Go for it. You know, and he's so open to that. He, it's never a wrong answer. And it's just like the best art teacher you've ever had where you're where it's like, you know, uh he might not agree with you, but as if you've uh, you know, given your point, he's like, fair enough. I X, Y, and Z, and it's a wonderful debate. So AJ and I have really coalesced around that where sometimes we get notes from, you know, studio, network, this or that. And it's like, okay, let's come together, let's talk about it and have a reason why we're doing this and reason why we're doing that. And um, and as long as we've had those discussions, we feel confident and that we know we can answer any question you throw at us because we know these characters inside and out. And that's the beauty of being on a multi-season show and uh, being led by Jason, who's doing so much intentional work on the set and the actors are doing so much intentional work on the set. We feel we must also be doing our intentional work behind the scenes. And he'll let us know. We've gotten a few texts at three in the morning from him. (laughs) Fortunately, our notifications are off. That's because he's just on London time. Yeah, He's like, oh, we shot this today. Make sure you keep an eye out for this or pull these moments. And that's really wonderful when you get that type of feedback as an editor, right from the creator, right from the set. Well, you left a lot of cliffhangers in the final episode of season two, um, but we've talked a bit about Nate. But would the two of you like to just elaborate a little bit on, you know, bringing Nate to that point throughout the season? I mean, I could not cut away from his performance in episode 12 when he's just telling Ted how he feels abandoned. And it's just so not true. Uh, He's like, you don't even have a picture that I gave you, but we saw it earlier. It's in his apartment. And it's just, you just feel so, you know, angry at Nate, but he's just so uh, just crushed and, and, you know, living, you know, in his sort of traumatic, uh, you know, mindset. And, and I just couldn't cut away from that performance. I said this to Jason, I said, you know, I'm holding on this shot. It seems like 20 seconds, you know, and that's, that's odd in television. You always cut to the reaction. Otherwise you feel like you're not doing your job as an editor. And I'm like, I tried some options to show you. He's like, don't even show me. Just stay with, stay with Nick. Oh, it's a beautiful performance. And he's so deserves that Emmy nomination. It's a great performance and even the buildup works so well. To what extent did you experiment in the earlier episodes? Did you have scenes where he was more angry that you took out or did you put things back or tell me a little bit about that process? 
it was weird that we noticed his hair was getting more and more gray. We didn't, that was a surprise to us. <laughs> yeah, that was something we had to, we actually did have to monitor because if they, like one time they shot something for 11, but he had his, it was, they were running out of time and they, he had his hair from 12. Like they really planned how much. So we, I think we had to digitally take out some of the grays in 11, but, you know, performance wise, Nate is so like small and, 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 it, sometimes it's just a look, you know? And so it was really about finding all of those. And so in the earlier episodes, it's just a flash, you know, I'm trying to think of you've, the first big, I feel like overt look is five where you're like, uh Oh, you know, where is this headed? And then, um, and to that point it's six, same thing. There was that look when, uh, Roy just said, we're going to give Jamie this signal and he flips him off and, and that Jamie scores the most amazing goal and Nate, everyone's cheering, but Nate's a little jealous that he didn't think of that play. And when, when I saw that moment, I didn't know what to make of it. And I just kind of let it kind of go by, but the director's like, no, no, it says it in the script, you know, make a bigger moment of this. I was like, okay. And then when I saw Nate's trajectory, I went back and recut it even to a bigger moment to show his jealousy among the while the team is winning which is what we see him at the end like everyone's cheering and he's just standing there you know moping on the sideline um yeah so there's those looks throughout that we try to go back and that's the advantage of going back and fixing things well with those cliffhangers we're all looking forward to season three um which character or characters go through some of the biggest transformations in season three what can you share i'm gonna vote for hannah um and maybe not I think it's her, I think she has the biggest arc from season one to season three and, um, Rebecca's arc from season yes, one. To season yes. Yes. Rebecca. Yes. Thank you. Um, I don't know why I just like calling her Hannah. She just, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Your best friend. She's always. family. Well, yes, we, got to, exactly. we got to meet her. So we, she's Hannah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. I'm, I'm going to vote Rebecca, but maybe that's a controversial choice, but like, I, I think Rebecca. I, I probably would vote for Nate. I think uh, he's going to have, yeah. And I mean, I was just thinking about in season three, what his transformation is, but Mel, that's an interesting point. From season one, he was the the kit man and then he becomes coach. And and now he's the coach of, we see him the coach of West Ham at the the end of 12. And so he's like just on a trajectory of a a career wise. And, uh, you know, and I think it'll, it'll pay off for him personally as well. But, you know, it's hard because uh, Jason is so, so very generous as a, as a producer and a creator. Like He gives all these other characters a storyline. And I think that's why our episodes are so full and long for a half an hour comedy to have 45 minute episodes. Because there's just so many storylines and he wants everyone, every character to, to have an arc. And, you know, and, and that, that's just amazing to have all those choices. And I assume we'll be seeing some new characters in this season. Can you tell us about anyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, they're new. I know. They come but, from the worlds know. of our characters. Yeah. Yes. And, and so we have uh, new people, new blood on the team. And that, I think, uh, invigorates what's happening in the locker room. And then uh, we know Keely, right, is going off for her uh, her career. And so there's new people in the fold there. And um, yeah. I, and Trent Trim is independent. Where's Trent yes. Trim going to go? Yeah. Surely so, he has a purpose at Richmond. Yes. So, you know, I think everybody is back and and then new and in new ways, but that feels very authentic to Ted and, and things we've set up in season one 
we definitely bring back in season three, even if it's something small, you know, like that's what I love is like a small thing that you were like, Oh, and then it becomes a thing in season three. I don't know. It's just, I love the way Jason's mind works and that way he gives you things that feel so home homey, right? Like you're in the inside club that we drop this little nugget, this little joke. And here you go, you know, season three. I, I don't know. He's just, he's just brilliant in that and like m- giving you things that make you feel like you're part of the, the Ted Lasso club. You know, you're, you can have the belief sign on your wall. Like he's, I'm just amazed that he created this world that's so fun to be in that gives you things that are surprising, but aren't surprising because he's set them up in some way that, you know you feel like, oh, that maybe is just an offhand thing. I don't know. Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> he loves callbacks. You know, being a comedian, yes. he loves, he really loves restarting a joke and keeping it running. And just when you think it's over, not one more time. One more <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to wrap, but um, congratulations to you both on, uh, on the Emmy nominations and on, on the show. And uh, and please come back again after season three. And we'll yes, let's more. do this again. Great to have yeah. you back. <laughs> Thank you, Carolyn. Heaven knows I tried.